1: Esther chapter 4 is where we'll start, and we'll start, we'll read the entire chapter there. And uh, of course, this is a great history book, and uh, there's a lot of history here, a lot of backstory. and if you've been in church for a while, you uh, certainly understand this story. I don't want to assume that everyone knows the story of Esther. Um, it, it's impossible to preach the entire story in one message, so we'll, we'll deal with really just the first half of this story. But Let's begin reading in Esther chapter 4, look in verse number 1. The Bible says, when Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry. And came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, fasting and weeping and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him. But he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him the commandment to Mordecai to know what it was, and why it was. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai into the street uh, of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him, and you know, of the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also, he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her. That she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make a request before him for a people. And Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai in verse 10. Again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king, into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to be put. It, to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house... Shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast you for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. This book of Esther, uh, again, a very familiar story. But it's interesting that God's name is not mentioned in this book of the Bible. But we know, discerning Christians know, that God is present in this book. And, and so the, the, the story here, obviously there's a lot of characters, there's a lot of uh, you know the plot, it, it's a very interesting story. Very interesting book of history. And we can sometimes get caught up in all of the details of this story. We can get caught up and we'll talk about some of these characters and the people that God used and the enemies and all of the things here. But let's not forget as we're going through this story that God is there. And I'm thinking even in my own life as I look back at, at, at the places that I've gone and, and the decisions maybe that I've made or, or, or whatever, the, the, the hills and the valleys of our life, we see that God is there in all of it. Even maybe on the days where you didn't feel like God was there. Even maybe the times where you, where, where you were going through life maybe without God, God was there looking after you. God is maybe not mentioned in this book, but we certainly read and understand and feel His presence everywhere. God's silence does not show God's absence. So this book, Book of History, Book of Esther, is set in a time period between the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, just before the second phase of the return to Jerusalem. And that's where Esther the Jew, Mordecai the Jew, find themselves. It's very interesting to me as I'm studying this book, and I'm thinking, maybe you've thought this, aren't the Jews supposed to be back in Jerusalem? And we know that they were taken into captivity and then they were released to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. But then we read stories like Esther still in captivity. And we see that Mordecai and Esther were Jews. They were still in captivity. By the way, they were not the only Jews that were there in captivity. As a matter of fact, there were more Jews still in captivity than were released go back to Jerusalem we're not really sure why we don't really understand why there were still Jews there maybe uh, you know we can take a couple things and, and maybe they were uh, certainly there were many Jews that were born in captivity and all they knew their whole life was just captivity they didn't know what it meant to be free they didn't understand life before they, they, they couldn't fathom life outside of that so it was just easier to stay Maybe there were some that were there that were just comfortable. They had lived there so long and and worshipped their god so much or or whatever the case is, and they were just comfortable staying there in captivity, now Persian captivity. Maybe there were some that were just physically unable to make the trip. We're We're not sure. Either way, we see Esther, we see Mordecai here in captivity. I think it's very interesting. Not only do we see God in this story, we don't see, we don't, not only do we see God obviously in this book of the Bible that is inspired by God, but we see God in captivity with his people. Now, certainly, God went with the Jews that were released back to Jerusalem. He protected them along the way as they prayed. And they were there in Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, and God was there, right? And we know that Ezra went there to restore worship and to restore God's law. And God was there with them, but notice that God is also there with His people who decided to stay in captivity. Aren't you glad that even when you turn your back on God, God does not leave you? Aren't you glad that maybe when you were in a place in your life where you weren't paying attention to God, God was paying attention to you? I'm so thankful that when I didn't even acknowledge Him, He acknowledged me. And so we see God in this book, so don't get lost in the story. By the way, as you read through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, don't get lost in the stories. It's not just a history book. It's not just a book of people. It's not just a book of stories and and, and plots and and, and people and enemies and wars. It's a book about God. It's a book about God's grace, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But first, let's look at the history. All right, so we see uh, we get to chapter 1, and we're introduced to several characters in each chapter, and we're not going to take the time to read it, but in chapter 1, we're introduced to King Ahasuerus. And this king, uh, this king reigned for uh, over a large portion of land. If you look at a map, uh, it says that he reigned uh, from India to Ethiopia, a very large portion of land he was, he was ruler of. And he threw this large party, this large feast, lasted, I think, for 180 days. Right? And, and, and so, uh, they're, they're uh, of course, in this party, they're not just partying the whole time. I think they had some meetings and some military strategy and things like that that we read in history. But um, this long 180-day party, it finally comes towards the end, and he calls his queen to come in among him and the princes and those that were rulers there. And, of course, she declines that request. She refuses him, Queen Vashti. And, of course, this angers the king. It angers the other men there in the kingdom because they thought, well, if, if the people in the palace see that the queen can do what she wants and not obey her husband, then all the ladies, all the women are going to be doing what they want and we can't have all these women going rogue in the kingdom. It's in the Bible. We're talking about the story. Okay? So, to save face... They decide, well, we can't, we can't have this. We we can't, you know, we can't have these women thinking, oh, well, the queen did it, so we can do it too. And so they got rid of the queen. There had to be consequences, right? And so they got rid of the queen. And and, and then we get to chapter two, and that's where we're introduced to Esther. And Esther is ushered in with a with a group of young virgins uh, to become the next queen. They're they're, they're kind of uh, practicing to become the next queen, and they're um, competing to become the next queen to see who who wanted to rule there in Persia and become the next Persian. Queen with Ahasuerus. And and right away we see that that, uh, Esther's beauty and uh, the way she carried herself, she found favor immediately in the king's eyes. Immediately he sees Esther. And so very quickly, Esther, uh, after her 12 months of purification, becomes the next queen, the next Persian queen. And by the way, it's amazing. It's amazing that God would use a young Jew to become the next Persian queen. Okay, so don't miss God's hand in all of this. We see also in chapter 2 a man named Mordecai introduced, and Mordecai was also a Jew, and he was the cousin of Esther. And Esther was an orphan girl. She didn't have a father or a mother. And so Mordecai decided that he would take her under his wing. He was much older, more like an uncle to her. And so he took care of Esther. He raised her. He, he, He directed her. He assisted her. He made sure that she was okay. He made sure she had what she needed. And he told Esther, as she goes into the palace, make sure that they don't know that you're a Jew. Jews weren't allowed in the Persian palace. Make sure that they don't know that you're a Jew. And so he's protecting her. He's watching over her. Then we get to chapter 3, and we're introduced to another man named Haman. And the Bible tells us that Haman was an Agagite. Haman was promoted uh, basically to the next in line to the king, right next to the king of Ahasuerus. We're not really sure why or what he did to get there. Some think that maybe it was just because of the line that he came from, King Agag, and that he just had royalty in his blood, and so because of his name he was promoted and advanced above all the princes and those there in the kingdom. So because of this, of course, the king commands, and he sends out a decree that all are to show him reverence and bow down, to Haman just as if he is the king. And of course, I'm sure Haman used this to his advantage and he strutted along the kingdom and and as he passed by, those around would bow down and and give him the the reverence that he needed, even Jews. But a man named Mordecai decided that he wasn't going to bow. Mordecai, a Jew, said... As one day, as Haman's passing by, he decides he's going to stand while everyone else is bowing. The Bible says that he does not bow, and those around him are, are thinking, Mordecai, what are you doing? Just bow down. Even, even the Jew, even those that were that were there with him, maybe even his friends were saying, don't just bow down. It's just easier to bow down. And of course, there's a sermon there. But but it, Mordecai stands when he's supposed to be bowing, and they ask him why, and he all he tells them is because I am a Jew. Because I'm a Jew. Now, we're just giving the history here. We'll go back and, and, and preach this in just a minute. But. So Haman, of course, is displeased. He's angry. His pride is hurt. He doesn't like this, that, that Mordecai thought that he could stand up when everyone else was bowing. So he, he, he devises this evil plan. He takes it to the king. He, takes it, he goes to the king and says, King Ahasuerus, there's this group of people. He doesn't mention who they are. He says there's this group of people that is, they're not obeying your law. They're not listening to your commands. They're not bowing down when they're supposed to be bowing down. He devises this evil and wicked plan to kill all of the Jews. Not good enough just to kill Mordecai. He's going to kill all the Jews. And so the king signs off on this decree to kill all the Jews, have all the Jews killed. And Haman, Haman writes this plan out. He gets it sent out. Now all the households are starting to get this plan and, and understand what's going on. And, and he had it set up to where it wasn't just a, you know, send the military and wipe them all out. It was over a period of time, and they cast lots. And, and and it was it was set up to where if you lived next to a Jew and they had done you wrong, you were allowed to go and kill that Jew when the time came, and take all of their stuff. Wicked plan. That brings us to chapter 4. This is where we we read here in chapter 4, and we see Mordecai is is just broken about this. He's hurt. He he understands uh, the depth of this. He understands what's coming. He's been around long enough. He's a wise man. He's mourning. He sits out there by the, the gate of the city, and he cries with a loud and bitter cry, and... He's uh, rending his clothes, and he puts on sackcloth and ashes, which is a, a sign of mourning, a loss of a loved one. And he draws all kind of attention, and the Bible even tells us that as Jews start finding out what's going on, now they're mourning, and, and, and they're fasting and praying, and, and, and maybe even some Jews that were away from God now coming back to God, begging God to save them from this decree. And so Mordecai out in the, out in the streets there, and it, Esther catches word of this, and so she sends uh, some men to him to take him some clothes, and he turns the clothes away. He's not ready for that. He, he, it's not sufficient. Those clothes aren't what I need. And so he turns the clothes away, and, and, and Esther sends uh, tag and says, I need you to go find out from Mordecai what's going on. says there in verse number five, what it was and why it was. Esther was a, a wise, young woman. She wasn't just nosy. She wanted to know how she could help. What it was and why it was. And so he sends the decree back to her. It's amazing that Esther, the, the, the queen, wasn't even sure what was going on. So he sends it back to her. This is, this is the plot that, that Haman has devised. This is how much money he's going to put forth to, to make sure all this happens. And, and he he's offered to pay for all of this, and they're going to wipe out all the Jews. He says, Esther, he sends this message by haytag. he says, Esther, you've got to go before the king. You've got to go stand before the king. Esther sends a message back to him uh, using Haytack and says, don't you understand the law? No one can go into the king, not even the queen, unless we've been invited. No one can go stand before the king. He'll have me killed. That's the law. We, 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 I can't just do that. The message goes back to Mordecai. Mordecai doesn't just take no for an answer. He sends a message back to Esther. He says, Esther, maybe, and this is where we, we, we read of that very famous line, Esther, maybe you were placed here for such a time as this. What's he saying? Esther, maybe. And I like how he, question, he puts a question mark there, and he says, maybe. You were placed here for this time. You're the only one that can do this. Think of it. Maybe all of this has happened for this time. Maybe God brought us here. Maybe, maybe, maybe God uh, allowed you to be the queen. And we, we can say maybe, but we know it's true. God allowed you to be the queen. God allowed all this to happen for this time so that you could go stand before the king. And, of course, Esther, the Bible doesn't tell us how long she thought on it or how quickly she sent her messenger back. Certainly, she was thinking and trying to make a decision on what to do, what was right, what was wrong, what was appropriate. What did God want her to do? She sends Haytack back to Mordecai. She says, okay, you tell the people there. Tell them to fast for three days. I'll do the same thing, and I'm going to go in before the king. She says, if I perish, I perish. She knew she could die. She knew she was supposed to die. If I perish, I perish, but she knew she had to get this done. For such a time as this. The title of today's message is, It's Time. Number one, what is it time for? It's a time, and these first couple points here, still some history in here, but stay with me. It's time to learn from our past. It's a time to learn from our past. This book, being a great history book, shows us some things from the past. Turn back to uh, 1 Samuel. I want you to see this, chapter 15. 1 Samuel, chapter 15. If you've been here on Sunday mornings in the past, we've been going through the life of David. The pastor's been preaching a series on, on the life of David and so we've gone through this before. By the way, if you want to get caught up on those, we have all those sermons on Sermon Audio and on our podcast, and you can go back and listen to, to the series there on Sunday mornings. But look in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel and look at verse number 3. The Lord says, Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not. That seems pretty clear to me. Easy, easy instructions. All right. And of course he's talking to King Saul here and he's telling King Saul go destroy all of the Amalekites. Smite them. Destroy utterly destroy all of them. Let's see what let's see what Saul does in verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag. A simple instruction, kill everything and Saul and the people thought, you know what? I think we'll spare the king. I think we'll I think we'll hold on to Agag, right? So we're learning from our past back in Esther, we're learning from our past in Esther chapter 4, and we see number 1 we're fighting an enemy that should have already been destroyed. You see Haman was an Agagite from the line of King Agag who should have already been dead. So Mordecai is fighting a battle. He's fighting an enemy where the enemy should already be destroyed. I wonder in our lives how often we fight this enemy that should have already been destroyed. We wake up every day and we, we, we're fighting this thing that maybe, maybe once upon a time we came to the altar and we gave it to God and we said, God, I'm tired of fighting this enemy. I'm tired of fighting this battle. Take care of this. I'm done with it. And now we're here. October 3rd, 2021, we're still fighting that same enemy. We're still fighting that thing that we've been fighting. We're still warring. That enemy should have already been destroyed. Haman shouldn't be here. Agag should have died. Saul disobeyed. Simple disobedience. Simple disobedience in our life can lead to much trouble in the future for us, maybe even for our loved ones. Simple disobedience. Fighting an enemy that should have been destroyed, but what I love about it, what I love about it, and we'll jump, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit, what I love about it is that God still defeats the enemy. Right? So God, God, God's still fighting this battle for us. Back when he told Saul to do it, Saul, kill everybody. Saul says, I'll kill most everybody. You can just see God, you know, frustrated with his people again. Here they are again. Here they are again, showing up in the book of Esther. And what's God doing? By the way, the end of the story, we're not going to preach this part, but the end of the book of Esther, Haman and his sons are all killed. The battle's over, they're defeated. This this enemy that we've been fighting since the book of Exodus is now destroyed, it's now defeated. Listen, if you're fighting a battle, if you're fighting an enemy that should have already been destroyed, keep hope. Don't give up because God's still fighting for you. Even in enemy territory, even in captivity, God is fighting for his people. Even some, like we've already talked about, that have turned their back on God and said, I'm not going to Jerusalem. I like it here in captivity. They're taking care of me three meals a day. I'm hanging out here. I'm staying here. God's still fighting for them, fighting an enemy that should have been destroyed. Number two, God can use you to do something different. God can use you to do something different. Again, we're under number one, a time to learn from our past. God can use you to do something different. Not only was Haman from the line of Agag, but Mordecai is a descendant of Saul. So not only is he fighting the same enemy that he's been fighting, but he could could literally rewrite the story. It's a a face-off of family members. And Mordecai, certainly, he's he's an older man, he's wise, he's learned some things. He's heard stories. He's heard story after story about Saul and his family and all the things that they did and what Saul did right and what Saul did wrong. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something different. Listen, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter what they've done before you. Now is your time. This is your time. You've only got so long on this earth to do what God wants you to do. My my dad was uh, not raised by Christian parents. Both of my dad's parents were drunks. Uh, they, they partied, and, and my, my dad really raised himself in a lot of ways, was left at home often, spent most of his life, his parents gone, not sure where they are, fighting. One day, one day a man knocked on that, that family's door and invited them to church, and the kids came to church, they started riding the bus, they all got saved. Thankfully, my dad's parents both got saved before they died. But now all six of those children are in church, Serving God. Why? They're not, they're not a, a stat. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they didn't say, well, there's no hope for us. There's no, we can't, look how they lived. Look what they did. We, there's just no hope for us. It's in our blood. No. You can change the story. It's your time. It's not, it's not Saul. Saul made his decision. Saul did what he, was, what he wanted to do. It's Mordecai's time. Mordecai said, I'm going, to, I'm going to fight this enemy. And then he learned how to stand from the time in Babylon. Now, we, we read about this in chapter 2. We read about this in Ezra chapter 2 and Nehemiah chapter 7. They actually used Mordecai's name as being there with Nebuchadnezzar. Because of the time period, we know that it probably wasn't Mordecai, but a direct descendant, okay, a father or grandfather that was there in Babylon with Daniel with Daniel's friends. Maybe they weren't right there next to him, but certainly, certainly heard the story firsthand. Certainly Mordecai heard heard very clearly what they did and how they stood up, how they stood up to Nebuchadnezzar, and he thought, this is my time to stand. Number two, it's a time to lead like Mordecai. I'm going to go through these quickly. It's a time to lead like Mordecai. Number one, uh, how did Mordecai lead? Well, he cared for the next generation. Go to chapter 2 go to chapter 2 he cared for the next generation chapter 2 verse 7 and he brought up Hadassah that is Esther his uncle's daughter for she had neither father nor mother and and the maid was fair and beautiful whom Mordecai when her father and mother were dead took for his own daughter look in verse 11 Mordecai walked every day before the court uh, of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her look in verse 20 Esther had not yet showed her kindness, nor her people, as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. So Mordecai is caring for Esther. He's caring for the next generation. He's taking care of this young girl. He couldn't change the world. Maybe he couldn't take care of all of the next generation. He didn't have a large group that followed him. He wasn't in charge of a, of a boy's home or a girl's home or an orphanage or wasn't a youth pastor or a pastor. He just took care of one little girl. Sometimes I think we can get discouraged thinking that maybe we're not making a difference where we are. We can be discouraged thinking, well, we're not, we're not changing the world. We're not, you know, we're not uh, leading a, a large multitude of people or whatever the case is. But Mordecai determined that he was going to make a difference in one life the life of Esther. We can't read and study through this story without seeing God's hand on Mordecai taking care of Esther. He raised her. He took care of her. He checked in on her. Even when she was in the palace, he would go by and make sure she was getting what she needed and make sure she was okay, make sure she was doing what she was supposed to be doing. He was checking in on her. What kind of leader was Mordecai? He cared about the next generation. He was honest. Look in verse 21 of chapter 2. In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Biktha and Teresh, uh, of those who kept the, the door were wroth and sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when Inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out, therefore, they were both hanged on a tree, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. He was honest. This may seem like a small thing. It's in the the Bible. He was an honest man. In a day where we are hearing of, of lying and we hear it every day, young people, as they are growing up, they learn how to lie. Why? Because they hear it so often. We're living in a day where there's lies everywhere. Mordecai was honest. Mordecai was honest. He wrote these things down. Speak truth. Speak truth because it's the right thing to do. Number three, he hated what God hated. What kind of leader was Mordecai? He hated what God hated. The book of Exodus chapter 17 verse 16 says, For he said, because the Lord has sworn, talking about Moses, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. I'm glad I'm not in that group. That the Lord has sworn that he's gonna have war with them from generation to generation. And then we're here in Esther, and we see that Mordecai is now warring with Haman. And he knew that. He knew that God didn't like this group of people. He knew that, that the Jews were not supposed to bow down to this group of people. And he hated what God hated. I think we need to learn. I think we need to learn today as leaders to hate what God hates. And we can read it all throughout Scripture. We read it in Proverbs chapter 6. God hates these things pride, lying is in there a couple times. Okay, so we need to learn to hate what God hates. Next one, he mourned at the loss of his people. We see a lot about Mordecai right here as he's mourning. He's mourning at the loss of his people. Look at the end of chapter 3. At the end of chapter 3. Verse 15, the posts went out. The post, the, the news, being hastened by the king's commandment and the decree was given in Shushan, the palace, and the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city of Shushan was perplexed. There were people there that heard this news. They weren't hurt by it. They went on with their lives. They, they went on doing what they were normally doing. They went to work. They, they did their normal thing. Why? They were perplexed, the Bible says. They Okay, you know, slide the newspaper on down, go to the next story. But Mordecai stopped and he mourned. He understood the loss, he understood what was going on. How often are we moved by the news that we hear? How often are we filled with compassion and hurt because of the things that we hear, the messages that we hear? Certainly, we see many in the Bible that were. We think of Nehemiah, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, and Jesus, who was moved with compassion because he saw this people as sheep without a shepherd. Are we moved like that? He mourned. Mordecai mourned. What kind of leader was he? He wanted real change. He wanted real change. And Esther sent him some clothes, some fresh clothes to put on, and he refused it. He turned it away. Why? Because he knew the clothes wouldn't fix anything. He knew that's not what he needed. He wanted real, real change. What kind of leader was he? He understood the urgency of the situation. We've already read about that in chapter 4. Esther, it's your time. He understood. Listen, we've got to get this done now. We've got to get this done now. Urgency. Urgency changes the way we live. Changes the way we live. Mordecai, what a great leader. What, What time is it? It's a time to learn from our past. It's a time to lead like Mordecai. And then number three, number three, it's a time to launch out. It's a time to stand before the king. And I love Esther's quote. She says, if I perish, I perish. What time is it for the Christian? It's time for us to have this same mindset. I'm going to do this because God wants me to do it. And if I die, I die. If this is it, this is it. I love the stories of uh, from 9-11 about uh, the first responders that ran into the buildings and pastor told a couple stories of the firemen that was running towards the buildings as everyone was sitting and waiting. And certainly we've seen the pictures and the videos of people running down and some even jumping down and then the first responders running up. They had this mindset. They had this thought in mind, if I die, I die, but I've got to go. And I love the patriotism. I, I, I love that they did that. I love reading and, and hearing of those stories. But man, we need some Christians like that. I know in my life, I need that attitude. I'm going to do this because God wants me to do it. And if I die, I die. And truthfully, truth, the truth is, is, most of us aren't facing that situation where we're going to have to die from it. Maybe a little ridicule. We may have to give some things up. But we're not going to have to die for that, most of us. If I perish, I perish. We need some some Christians with some reckless abandon to them. Not a reckless lifestyle, but with that mindset of, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. If I lose my job, I lose my job. If I have to move, I'm going to move. If I need to sell my truck, I'm going to sell my truck. I wish I had a truck to sell. (laughs) I wouldn't sell it. Unless God wanted me to. We need that mindset. We need that attitude. If I perish, I perish. And then lastly, and this is the message right here. All that was just history, okay? Number four, what time is it? It's a time. It's a time to look for God's grace. It's a time to look for God's grace. The Bible is a book of God's grace. The book of Esther is a book of God's grace. You can't read it. Without seeing God's grace. You can't read it without seeing God's hand throughout the book. We need need to see God's grace. Number one, there's a space of grace. A space of grace. What does that mean? The book of Ezra, chapter 9, verse 8. And now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. A little space. Of grace go back to chapter 3 and verse number 7 Haman is is still devising his plan here and he's 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 decided to kill all the Jews and he's come up with this plot to kill them all and he's taken it before the king and look in verse 7 in the first month that is the month Nisan in the 12th year of King Ahasuerus they cast per that is a lot before Haman, from day to day, and from month to month, to the twelfth month, that is, the month at Ar. And so they're casting lots, that word per means dice, they're rolling the dice to see when they're going to, when this plan is going to come to pass, when they're going to kill all the Jews. And they roll the dice, it doesn't land on one. It doesn't land on two. It doesn't land on three. It doesn't land on four. It lands on twelve. This story would have been a lot different if it would have landed on one. But God, in His grace, gives them 12 months. The Jews got 12 months to prepare for this. Now, if you don't know the end of the story, the the, the, the king does not call off the decree because he signed it with his ring, but he did allow the Jews to have time to prepare to fight back and defend themselves. And God gave them 12 months of grace a little space of grace it takes me back to to the ark the book of genesis with noah and his family and he preached for 120 years and he's preaching and he's preaching and he's preaching and nobody comes forward nobody responds no decisions are made it's just noah and his family and then the ark is complete and the and everything is ready to go, and Noah and his family kind of stand back and see the ark, and the the Bible tells us that God said, for yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth. So even after 120 years of rejecting God, God still gives them seven days to respond and come to Him. He says, in seven days, I'm going to destroy the world. You better get on the ark. Seven days of grace. A little space of grace. Grace. I don't know what tomorrow holds for you. I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow. But I know one thing. We're here today. You're here now for this time. God's given you a little space of grace. What's that space of grace for? What's that space of grace for? To stand before the King to have this mindset, to stand up for something, to do something for God. Maybe you have a neighbor that you think that, that, that God has put on your heart to speak to about the Lord and you haven't done it yet. He's given you a little space of grace. Maybe you've got a family member that you need to write a card to and give the gospel in that card and you haven't done it yet. He's given you a little space of grace. Maybe you've got things in your life, maybe you're fighting enemies that should have been destroyed years ago and you think, I'll get that right eventually. God's given you a little space of grace. A little space of grace in an unseen hand. We see God's unseen hand in this book. We see God and Vashti not coming to the king's command. We see God and Esther having favor in the eyes of the king because of her beauty. We see God and Haman building the gallows for Mordecai. And then Haman is the one that hangs on the gallows. We see God in Mordecai compelling Esther to speak to the king. We see God in the lots that were cast and landed on 12 months. We see God in Esther going and, and standing before the king. We didn't read that part of the story where she actually gets there and stands before the king. Can you imagine what this young girl is feeling? Scared? Unsure? We see God lifting her up, holding back the king. Reaching forth the golden scepter. Time to look and to see God's grace. Listen, don't miss God's hand in your life. I don't know how you got here today. I'm not sure what roads you took to get here. But you're here. I want you to look back in your life and look and see where God was. Maybe a difficult time. God was there. Maybe a time you don't really want to think about again. God was there. And you're here today for this time, for such a time as this. Let's pray.
0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org.